I wanna, the two topics, Rabbi said, the two topics I wanna study with the Hebrew. One is I wanna be Mamshech. Yehuda Zelman gave a share yesterday on Reb Dessler and an ensuing conversation from Momo, Shloimi Berger, Ruvain, a conversation emerged that was fascinating to me. I wanna share with the Hebrew a little bit what happened. I don't want to share everything because I want guys to know if you don't come next Monday night at 6 to 6.30, there won't be makeups. There are no makeup dates. So I'm not going to share everything that went on yesterday. You got to be there to experience it. But I do want to, I want to, I want to say something that Yehuda Zelman spoke about it and really be, be myrif on it a little bit. And then I want to talk about something in Parashas V8 say that's, that's important that I feel is important to me. All of us will have this life decisions, serious life decisions, that go something like this. In one way or another, I, I believe basically everybody here will have life decisions. I'm gonna give a very specific example. I have a, a guy who learned in this yeshiva, went to Harvard Law, and he, he was in a very well-paying law job in the city that paid tremendous, staggering number. A guy would become a very wealthy person in this law job. And he was in it for a number of years, making a lot, a lot of money, paying back the loans that he had taken to go to school. And Baruch Hashem putting aside a lot of money, really making... A, and he was on the path to being a very wealthy guy. And he had a question that if he kept this way, go working this way, he'd be very, very wealthy. Certainly could do a lot with that wealth, some very fancy vacations, buy some gorgeous cars, do some cool things in his life. That was one side of the equation. And on the other side of the equation, he can move out of town. His job demanded he did not have off Sundays. He had a growing family, he had a wife, two young children. His job was Sundays included. Lawyers work extremely hard. Sundays were not off, as in many professions. His only had off Shabbos, not Sunday. He also worked till about 10, 10, 30, 11 every single day. So basically, he got to be with his kids Shabbos to Shabbos. Even his wife leaving at 8 in the morning and coming back at 11, 11.30 at night, depending when he finished work. So basically, he was with his family weekend to weekend. And he had a question. He had the opportunity to go out of town and to take a law job in a much lower firm, which is a 9 to 5 job, make about 100000 a year probably about a fifth of what he made at the time, and over time what he could go up to, probably about a tenth a year. His job probably could go to about a million a year pretty easily. And, and here, going out of town, he would make about 100000 with the potential of going to like 150000 a year. And his, this, there he'd work nine to five and eat supper with his wife and kids every night. He would actually be home Sundays and play ball with his kids growing up, be around his daughters. And he had a quality of life question. Richer, more money, more profound vacations, drive a fancier car, more time with his kids, homework with his kids, supper with his wife, Sundays off with the family, and he had a decision to make. 
I suspect every single one of us will have decisions like this to make in our life. Every one of us, one way or another, will have decisions where your wife can work full-time, your wife can work full-time, and if she works full-time, your standard of living, you'll drive a fancier car, will go up. You'll simply have more money in your bank account. She works part-time, she's home when the kids come home. They come home into a mother's embrace. And you'll all have every single guy here will have serious decisions in life revolving around priorities and serious questions of, of, of what standard of quality of life and what, what affects the quality of my life. And all of us will face decisions in one way or another like this. Every single guy here, Pashtus. In making these decisions, it's extremely important that we have a sense what brings us happiness, what brings us satisfactions, what brings us to say when we're 80 years old, that was one good life. What le- leads us a life that we say that's a, that was a quality, that's quality. There's a line called Chaye Oisher. Oisher with an Aleph. Aleph Vav Shin Reish. And Yehuda spoke about this question, this ever-important question, that's very, very practical. Very unsophisticated people don't think about this. They end up making decisions in life completely uninformed. Don't even know what they gave up. At what. There's a Rebbe here who his wife can make X amount of money, astronomical amounts, and, and he had to make this decision. He had to make this decision, exactly what I'm describing, and all of us, in one way or another, make these decision, decisions. The smart person really thinks out and has it exact, what he wants to do, what will affect, and what makes a good quality of life. I laugh my head off. People tell me, and people have said to Rebbeim here, like, I'm jealous of your Elam You guys are such Sadiqim. And say things like that, I literally laugh. We're just people who choose. To, I, I laugh, you know, when I'm in the middle of like a great volleyball tournament. I have Judd Mandel on one side of me, Dovi on the other, Momo Ringo on the front slamming. I always like picture people saying, oh, shit. What a, wow, what a moisture. Serious, never. I'm having like a blast. I'm hanging with Nisano. And I like think like the deep Nisiris Nevesh. It has, it, I don't like that mentality. Well, you, you guys, are, the, the Rebbeimi are just smart people choosing intelligent ways to have satisfying lives. To have, of course, by the way, you get Olam above for that also. Ironically, for choosing a good life in this world, it's like the weirdest things. Hashem pays you also. The decisions of people are not like live miserable and then you get on my butt. It's not what the Torah says. That's not what the Torah talks about. Now, challenges lay at a very challenging life, Leia Imenu. And Reb Miller describes the greatness that she acquired through challenges. So it's true, we're not here for our standing. You're not created for your matzav in Olam Hazeh. is not a place of schar, that's true. But a person makes decisions of faith. Leah's decisions, her, she had a difficult life, no question. And she did her decisions that caused a wonderful life. It's true, she had challenges, she became a big davener. 
and it ultimately brought her tremendous nachas. She was zeichet to Ruven Shem Levi Yehuda. The most powerful of the Shvatim Shevet Yehuda came from Leah. And she responded to life's challenges. And life has challenges. And responding, people have different difficulties. Very serious ones. And instead of wallowing in self-pity, there's decisions we can make, quality decisions, of becoming a person of faith, becoming a growing, sincere, authentic person. And the situations of our life build something special. The job of all of us is to ask what makes for a chaye oisher, alevav shen resh. Oisher means fortunate. Ashre yoisher esecher. We all want to live a fortunate life. Like that was a good life. Oisher. I had ashre, chaye oisher. Now says Reb Desler, Yehuda taught us that people often mix up chaye oisher with an ayin. Ayin vav shen resh. And they mix up a life of wealth with a life of oisher, ashre, ayin vav shen resh, of fortune. Now, this is a very complex conversation because money is extremely important. You and I are wearing pants because somebody made money. You and I have a shirt because it costs money. You and I have svarim. By the way, we're in yeshiva. Somebody paid a lot of tuition. It costs money. Money is extremely important. It's a gift from Hashem. By the way, tzaddikim are very intimate money. Tzaddikim are mechavi, their money, yoisimigufam. Tzaddikim take money very seriously. Money is serious and important and valuable and precious. Not to be squandered, it's serious money. Very important, very valuable. Money is valuable, 100%. And yet, it's the most overrated item in the world. Fascinatingly, the most overrated. If most guys here got a hundred million dollars, your difficulties in life probably wouldn't change much. Even though, look, <laughs> we all can smirk and say, probably things wouldn't be much different if you had a hundred million dollars. For probably a rush for a few weeks, you'll drive every ATV, you'll buy everyone you can, every yacht. And then after a few weeks, you'll go back to the same vicissitudes of life, the same challenges of life. There's no, there's no correlation between massive wealth and life devoid of challenges. Now, wealth does help. It solves certain things. I'm constantly amazed. This is a world of challenges. Rich people are not devoid. They don't have that challenge of affording something. They have other challenges. Now, it's a massive challenge to not be able to afford stuff. Massive, massive, a terrible. It's also a massive challenge to have shalom bias problems, which money cannot solve. It's also a massive problem to have health problems that money can't solve. It's also a massive problem to have child-raising difficulty, which money can't solve. There are challenges on this earth that are very, very real. It is true, one challenge is not being able to afford something. And that's a challenge none of us want. We don't want that challenge. We don't want any challenge. We, we want to we have, have a good life, all of us. What, what Yehuda spoke about is somehow getting that chaye oisher, a life of wealth, that the pursuit of wealth is not the answer to all. 
And there's a danger of somebody who thinks money is the answer of all because they can make silly decisions. When they have in their life decision, this guy who learned in the yeshiva ended up moving out of town and felt he would have a better life earning a tenth really earning power a tenth, he felt quality of life would spike a lot. That's what he chose. And by the way, for another person, is the type, for whatever reason, that maybe they want some high-powered life, maybe they feel their mission is to be donor to yeshiva. I don't, by the way, I'm not knocking somebody who's a lawyer in Manhattan, because maybe their life can have quality of life for the way they're built, and the way they flourish, and how they are. So I'm not at all mocking the guy who chooses the New York at all, at all. They're serious decisions. But the sense, the sense of chasing money and that correlates to happiness is a dangerous sense. And Yehuda Zelman spoke about this topic. What ensued after Yehuda spoke about this is a fascinating question. Most people intellectually, Yehuda Zelman taught us that he, a Princeton study that was done in the year 2010, that one it was, and they, they showed how there was no correlation. They did a study, Princeton, there was no correlation, more money, happiness. Now, by the way, there is a certain amount that there is a correlation, they admit. People need Parnassa. If somebody's missing basic necessities, that would lead to a lot of sadness, no question. We daven, Baruch Aleinu, Shem, give us Parnassa. But at a certain amount, there was diminishing returns. Not only weren't people were happy, there was room to say people were sadder. Chazal say, mar more possessions, mar more worry. The world has a line, the only thing better than owning a boat is your best friend owns a boat. You own a boat, there's a lot of worries about a boat. Now, this is not in any way saying it's bad to be rich. Richness is a gift from Hashem, as is money. Money is good. People support things, have opportunities to be givers. This is zero, zero. And by the way, one person very well should choose to be the Manhattan lawyer. This was just to describe that there are different decisions and all of us will have quality of life decisions. The question that became amongst the Hevra is all of us in, in, have been told these type of studies many, many times, this Princeton study and the like, and intellectually can grasp that richness does not equate to happiness. And yet emotionally, yet emotionally, when the time comes to it, they'll choose the money over other qualities of life because emotionally, when people hear these shmuzim, inside there's a cynical voice that's... <laughs> Like, you know, I'll take the millions and I'll, let me figure this out on my own. Like, there's a cynicism inside that maybe money does correlate to happiness. And the question became, why do we struggle so much? We hear it intellectually, but emotionally we still feel different. And this is what I want to talk about today for a few minutes. We, we are Zaycha to learn Muster every single day. And I want to describe, there are two things that we're trying to do here. We're trying to learn wisdom, that's for sure, there's Chachma. There's something called Das, and I want to talk about what Das is today, because a big part of our learning Musr together is trying to acquire Das. Chachma, what's the difference Chachma and Das? There's actually Chachma Bina and Das. Today we're going to talk about Chachma and Das. Das is one of the most important qualities. 
it would be one of the names of Waterbury Masefta. There are a lot of names you can call this place. We've been called Camp. Wonderful name. If Camp means a place people are happy, please call us Camp Waterbury. It's a wonderful compliment. Like people are happy here. Okay. If it means people are happy and that's called Camp, I would like Yeshivas to become places that people can be happy so you can call us Yeshiva. That's like a dream, but okay. Right now we have to be called Camp. Let's get yeshivas happy, and then we'll be called yeshiva. But right now, camp, fine. And we've been called all different names. We've been called all different names. Some we could say, and some we can't. But um, one, of the, one of the names I like Waterbury to be called is the yeshiva of Das. So I want to explain what Das is. It's a very important concept. When you're a little kid, you try to teach your children that fire, fire burns. I want Yisrael Mayer to know fire is dangerous. When he was a lot younger, today he probably knows it better. Fire is dangerous. Now that piece of information is wisdom. Fire, dangerous, wisdom. The first time a kid touches something, ow, and hurts their hand, they now have das. In English, I'll call it emotional reality. It's not just true intellectually, you emotionally feel it, experience it. There are a lot of things that we know up here, but we don't know. It's not a full body experience. It's intellectual. I hear, I hear, to emotionally grasp it is hard. All of us intellectually know when I pray, God listens. That's an intellectual. Hashem is shoymeyat filo, listener of prayer. But emotionally, it's not real to us. Emotionally, I still by prayer just talking to God. Having a one-on-one audience with God and telling him things and he's taking, he's listening. Intellectually, I know it. Emotionally, I don't feel it. It's an intellectual knowledge, but I can't emotionally bond. I think, I think all too often the school system puts a tremendous premium on intellect and puts very little value into emotionally grasping something. I think our schools are set up like that. By not letting people express and connect emotionally, it becomes chachma not das. People are at big danger of leaving Yiddishkeit when they have chachma not das. Because they're not a mo- it's not a full body experience. They're not deeply, profoundly attached to what they study. They hear it, but it's not an emotional wisdom. When we hear a shmuz, a Rebbe can say the most profound shmuz. By the way, don't just say a Rebbe, a Harvard professor, or Lahavdal, or a Princeton. I don't mean Lahavdal between Harvard and Princeton, I mean between the Rebbe and Harvard. Or, or a, pres- a Princeton professor can teach us a study that richness doesn't make happiness. That's intellectual. That's a study. One of the guys brilliantly said that emotionally we were three years old and four and five and mom and dad were fetching about money. And emotionally we learned I need money to be happy. When mom and dad were fetching and carrying on and showing a lot of angst about money, a kid emotion, I don't care what schmoozim he goes to, that's intellect. But he deeply, deep in his emotional truths are that money equals happiness. Because he saw mom and dad sad and stressed about money. And he can intellectually study what he wants, but emotionally he's attached to a certain idea. 
a big part of Musr is to get it up here and in here, in the brain and the, and the heart. In Yiddishkeit, we call Chachma, Chachmas Halev. It's a very, it's one of the most fascinating things about Yiddishkeit. Why do we call it Chachmas Halev? The Lev is the seat of emotion. We should call it Chachmas Hamayach, intellect of the brain. All over Tanakh, all over our Torah, wisdom's equated to the heart. Lev Lahavin, a heart to understand. We ask Hashem, Sach Libi B'Sayra Secha. Open my heart to t- my heart to Torah. Shouldn't it say Psach Moichil Open my brain. The brain is the seat of the intellect. Why do we say open my heart to Torah? Say open my brain to Torah. And the answer to that question is that the purpose of Chachma is that it dominates the lay that emotionally it's true to me. Emotional reality. It's like what I... The guys say the expression, do you feel me? I feel it. I experience it. I'm like, I bond with this information. The goal of our Chachma is the process of Das is is that it goes to my heart. I mamish feel it. It goes, I can touch it with my emotion. It's an emotional reality by me. Now, there are a lot of secrets how to create something, an emotional reality. It's a whole art for us to say, money doesn't, we could say the fieriest schmooze, give you the best data. I could build, put a big video screen here and carefully tell you the, hard, the Princeton study, but that's intellectual. The question is what we emotionally feel. You have to let people explore, by the way. It's the schools get very scared from this. Let people explore. Whoa, 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 whoa. Stop right there, Kish. You dangerous guy. Dangerous person. You're dangerous. By the way, people have to have choices and experiences. They have to find out. They have to find out. The Mishnah says, Suru, go out and see the Dover Taiv Shiadabik Badam, the Mida Taiva that a person should cleave to. You have to go out, you have to experience. The honest person has to have experience and has to has to really think it through and visualize and see it and experience it. He has to ask himself, who taka is it? No Rebbe speech. By the way, if you have a Rebbe who's not a very happy fellow. Doesn't and it's not like it's not like that. If you have a Rebbe you don't feel leads a happy life. I've seen this irony. A guy gets in front of a room and will say the Princeton lecture about happiness, said the sad fellow. <laughs> then you, you, intellectually he taught you a great chachma. And emotionally the whole class learned that that's not a life of happiness either. You have to experience it. That's why Chazal say, more important than learning from a Rebbe's lecture is being around the Rebbe, Shemosh. You have to experience it. You have to experience when you experience something and you, you get to experience, hey, there was a couple that walked around the five towns for 40 years. Everybody saw this old couple walk around. I watched jet games. I saw Richard Todd throw interceptions all around the yard. He was a jet quarterback. I was a Giants fan. Maybe that's why I became a Giants fan. But I, I used, they used to show the jet game. This couple was a very close couple. 
I just, their great-granddaughter just came to my house looking for a Waterbury guy for a shidduch, a wonderful girl. And she, I told her, do you know your great-grandparents? She didn't know them. I told her about her great-grandparents. And they were a close couple. Every honest person knows that the most profound happiness in the world is a husband and wife are really good friends. Real. Real. Behind closed doors. Everybody knows it, that that's something, wow, that's real. That a husband and wife legit are friends. That somebody legit enjoys his family, no pretend. He's alone, just husband, mom. You are lucky, every one of us knows you would give, uh, you would give $15 million. If you knew you were 43, you were around your Shabbos table and there was love. Your wife, too, you just like each other. You go on a family vacation, the family, and there's love, the family likes each other. The kids fight in the back seat, they're normal, but they just like each other. That's like, <sighs> that everybody knows it. It's important to visualize it. I tell Bachram who had homes of a lot of chaos to go to a house for Shabbos and just soak up, go to a house that likes each other visualize, experience it, see it, get in touch with it, emotionally experience it. We can say b'chachma, there are kids who say b'chachma, what type of house they want, but it's not emotional knowledge. It's intellectual, it's not. You have to experience it, you have to feel it. In Kelm, in the great Musi Yeshiva called Kelm, of which Reb Dessler is considered a student of the Kelm Yeshiva, they said the difference in a tzaddik and a rasha is seer, is visuals. If you hear a speaker, the Chavetz Chaim, in my eyes, in the last 100 years, the best mishalim in the world are the Chavetz Chaim. His mishalim are to die for. His parables are incredible. Now I want to say, an unsophisticated person thinks like a parable. I have a lot of sports, Mishalem. Sports is something I like. I have a lot of visuals that I have from sports. Now, if you think it's like cute, it's like a cute thing. A good sports muscle is like a cute thing. I say a lot of chinuch. I'm very into active inspiration. I'm very into say toiv, not just sur meirat. And my visual is a football team. You have a football team that has the craziest defense. If they don't have a good running back to milk the clock, to get good field position, then the greatest defenses are exposed. What was the best defense in history, obviously? 85 Bears, obviously. Okay, second best. They beat the Giants. I'm never going to count them as the best. 2,000 Ravens. Okay, I'll be honest. 2,000 Ravens tied with the Bears for best ever. <laughs> Legion of Boom, Seattle. Not bad, not bad, not bad. In Rebbe's school, they say never admit like you're up to date, Yisrael. So you can't like, you can't say, you know, the, the Legion of Boom. Okay. So Kitzur Advarim, we just named some all-time defenses. Anybody who knows sports knows that the Bears had an incredible running back, Walter Payton, in 85. You could have a world, there are teams that I believe that had good defenses at those three teams. But if they're always on the field, even the best defense will crack. Because they're on the field too much. You could have an 85 Bears defense. What makes them good is a good running back on offense. Because if you have a good offense that keeps them off the field, that gives them proper rests and breaks, that makes field position better, so then the good defense could do its part. 
I consider when I when I think about this, I think about all the talk about the about the filters. We like hack away filters, filters. I need like filters in my ears, not to hear so much about filters, filters and filters. Filters are good. That's a good defense. Do you have any offense? Do you have any offense? Smartphones are horrible. It's all that's that's a defense, and it's a good defense. But every good defense cracks if you have no offense. Offense is love, active good Yiddishkeit, a warm Shabbosud is an offense, a loving Rebbe is an offense. What's your offensive game? Are kids in your yeshiva happy, excited, inspired, impressed? Is there, is there a Simcha Sachayim? You have very good defense, but an all-time defense, I promise, will crack if there's no offense. A good defense is wonderful. You need a good offense. Now that visual is not do be a cute thing. It's not like a nice shtick, like it's good for a speaker. You learn a few mishalim and then like, whoa, okay, it's good for rabbinics. A little rabbinics gymnastics. You get the bima and you give like some good mashal, like, whoa. It's not mental gymnastics, Mo. The point of a good visual is to take ideas that are elusive and when you think about it, you could touch it. I'm a Giants fan. It, you could have construct the best defense. If your offense can't have basic drives, the best defense will look pedestrian. It will just, the pedestrian will be word of the day. Momo, look up pedestrian. Baruch Pedestrian. <laughs> it's true. A pedestrian is a is a guy is a guy walking. It. The other one is lacking inspiration or excitement. Pedestrians. It's an expression because pedestrians is a guy walking the street. It's used in the vernacular as something that's missing umph. It's pedestrian. It's just. It's missing umph. It's lacking excitement. Pedestrian. If a team has an offensive. So then I, the defense gets explode, exploited and exposed no matter how good it is. You could have every filter in the world. If you don't have an offense that's explosive, your defense will get exposed. It won't help. Doesn't mean not to have a good defense. Defense wins championships with a good running back. With some offense that's explosive. So what I want to say, what I want to say to this conversation about Das, Yehuda yesterday spoke about the life of richness and the life of happiness. I want to say that in our own experiences, we need to acquire Das. Something has to become emotional reality. Don't be afraid things you learn, and you might know it up here, to ask, does my heart feel that way? And think about ways that I can, I, can, I can hug this idea that it shouldn't just remain intellectual, but it should be something I actually can, like, can move me and, and be meaningful to me, that I can bring my heart into this experience. It could be what's called das, das, emotional reality, something that's, I feel this idea. It's funny, we're going to light Neiris Hanukkah in two short weeks. We're going to light Neiris Hanukkah. And there are many things we could study intellectually about Ner Hanukkah. Yiddishkeit is possible to have das, that it could be emotionally important to me. I can connect to the ideas emotionally. I, I, right, if you know anything about Hasidus and the Musser movement, and many movements in Klal Yisrael were all to produce das, 
not to have robotic service of Hashem, but to be something that you mamish, this is like, this is personal and it matters to me. That's why one, the, 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 one of the words you'd have to put in calling our yeshiva is the yeshiva that we're trying to acquire das. It's what we pray for every day. Baruch Hashem hadas. Chaynein means Hashem gifts das, a gift from God. It needs siyata deshmaya. We pray for it. Hashem, give me das. Give me das. I want that which I know intellectually, but I want to emotionally bond with the idea. I want it to, and that takes a lot of visual. You have to see it, experience it. That's the point of Mishalim. Is an idea that's like esoteric. It's in the luft. It's in the air. But I can own it with the mushal. The Chavetz Chaim was like brilliant at it. His mishalamad, crazy. One after another, elaborate, interesting. We're Zaych and Yeshiva. We had a Rebbe for a number of years who will have speak to the Yeshiva coming up, Rabbi Sun and Shine. It's a favorite day in the Yeshiva. We'll have some interaction, Bezi Hashem. And Rabbi Sun and Shine's mishalam are fantastic. He gives parables that are like right on. And it's a tremendous art. It's not a rabbinic's trick. It's something all of us need to come up with visuals that take ideas that we're like struggling to emotionally bond with and to hug and kiss, to feel, to experience. So that was like such an important discussion yesterday that we can study intellectually what makes us happy. We have to find a way to emotionally believe what makes us happy and connect to it. We're often out of touch. There's a whole mother piece from Reb Dessler, relevant to a Gemara at the end of the Dharam. We're often, many of us, are out of touch with what makes us happy, completely out of touch. Can I tell you a funny, a guy said this. Doobie, you want to hear something funny? People go to a restaurant and they say, I want something new. Give me, I don't want the same old... Guys, when I go to the restaurant, I'm still ordering the same burger with onions. We say one thing, what makes us happy, and then you know what I want? I want what I'm used to. I want that taste I'm used to. What I like. Even though if you ask many people what they like, I want something new, I'm tired, same old, same old. Then we go back to the same place and order like exactly what we got. We're, what our intellect thinks makes us happy and what emotionally we think makes is not always connected. And we have many, many problems because of that disconnect. That's on something of stupidity. There are many things that matter that we're out of touch with ourselves. So it's important not only to have Chachmas Hamayach, but to have Chachmas Halev. Our Torah always speaks about Psach Libi Besarasecha. Open up my heart to Torah means let me emotionally bond. It should resonate by me. It should attach to me. That's a lot of what we try to do in Musr is to take ideas, and certainly there's chachma, but to acquire das. Guys get frustrated when people repeat a little. Well, you repeat, I got it. In chachma, I got it. You could fahir me. What do you want from me anymore? I know you have it here, but do you have it here? And often we need to repeat it, or say it in different ways to emotionally attach to an idea. That's part of limit HaMusr. Rabbi Yisrael broke up Musr into different parts, he definitely, there's the Chachma of Musr, a lot of brilliant intellectual stuff, but there's also the Lev, the attaching the heart to the ideas, it's a big part of Musr. So that's what Das is. That was that discussion yesterday, both that we have to work on intellectually, 
understanding what makes us happy, and emotionally getting in touch with what we know intellectually, and try to get the mayach and the lev on the same heart, on the same page. When your mayach and the lev are on the same page, you're in a very good place. I have seen guys in yeshiva have an intellect of like a 30-year-old, and emotions of like a six-year-old. A lot of people who go through pains early, emotionally shut down. I have seen guys who are 30 and six, intellectually 30, emotionally six. So then you wonder about like Yiddishkeit, Torah, their emotions are shut down. They shut down, it was a valve that went off, a safety switch, too much pain, shut off the emotions, advance intellectually. A lot of people who smoke up and run away emotionally are very, very shut down. Emotionally are very unadvanced. They did it for good reasons, because there was too much pain. So they had a safety switch, that's it. And people find all different valves, a lot of workaholics are that way. You see a 50-year-old man, a workaholic, intellectually he's a 50-year-old, emotionally he's like 10. Because he shut off his emotions. The goal is das. Das is intellectual and emotional. And we feel the vartim. If you read Torah from a lot of the Balei Musa, the way they merge, Chachma and Das, the way the Chachma and the Das go arm in arm, Chachma and Das, amazing. <coughs> I want to tell you an experience I had the other day that I want to share with you. I want to tell, tell all the mothers in yeshiva because it so moved me. I know how important motherly love is. I know motherly love. Mother, a mother's love. Intellectually, I know. And intellectually, people know a mother's love. Abacher told me the other day that he decided he's killing himself. He had a tremendous pain in his life, and he decided he's ending his life. And he d- took steps and was about to kill himself. And his tremendous sir, and he was about to end his life. And he couldn't do it. About to end, this youngster was going to end his life. Leave. Sehu. Couldn't take the pain anymore, and he's ending his life, this person. I said, what stopped you? What stopped you? He couldn't do it. He was standing there on this close, ending his life. I said, what stopped you? What stopped you? Looked me in the face, said, my mother's love. My mother's love stopped me. I couldn't move. I couldn't move. I couldn't. He, he, he wanted to talk about something. I said, I couldn't move. I, I was he froze. It took me a half hour. I was frozen. A half hour. I was, couldn't do anything. You know what it means, a mother's love? To every person, a mama's love, a mama's belief is fire. It's life-giving. It's life-giving to you and I. But that gave me das. That gave me das. I want to I wanna write a letter to my mama. I want to write a big letter to my I'm not makitoyim. You know what? A mother's love is life itself. Now that picture that was real, it changed, I think he changed my life. It changed my life. That made das. Before I would have told you this, I could have said a shmooze also. But I got das. I got something. I once was walking to Yeshiva and I had this Hashem. Something happened. I fell down. I fell on the floor. I fell down. I physically. 
I knew before that I fell on, not I could have, I fell down. Bang. And it's Hashem, I was like knocked over. There's Chachma, we know, we know, yeah, we know, we know. There's something called Das. It's not, it's not Chachma, it's emotional, it's, you fall over. By the way, at Maidim, we bow. <laughs> We're trying to get Das, we're trying to like, you have to at Maidim be practical. You have to think of like a friend you just enjoyed. Your mamash just appreciated a friend, friendship. Fall over by my dude. Das. That's emotional reality. That's das. That's das. Emotional reality. Something is real to you. It's not intellectual alone. It's, it's like, wow. Wow. I have a, that the, that the Rabbi Nishlam cares about me, is giving to me, is taking care. It's, it's overwhelming concept. He listens to my prayer. It's wild. Okay, we have the Chachma. It's like an intellect. I hear, I hear, yeah, <laughs> I hear. So Shemayat Fila is like Vild. He's listening to me. He's listening to me. It's Vild. Now it's a lifetime and we have moments. It's not an all or nothing. It's not a, it's not an all or nothing question, Das. It's a process. And there are times our Das is stronger, times it's weaker, but we're striving for Das. Very powerful when you know what you know, when you feel what you know, when you experience what you know. You say it, you, I hear. I, I would have told you how important a mother is. That experience drove it home, a mother's love. Are you kidding me? Kept the person, a person alive, a person standing in front of me from mother's love, a person who was in Tsar Shein Kamayu, that everything would say, that's it, goodbye. You can't say goodbye, mama. Naira. Naira, really, Naira, mother's love is. It's hard to go to a second topic from there. We're going to sing Psach Libi Besarasach, and then I need to tell you the second thing because we couldn't possibly close Vayetze without the second thing. Let's sing Psach Libi Besarasach. Open my heart to Tyre. Open my heart to Tyre. Let's sing Psach Libi Besarasach. Binyamin Kiyas. Pretty Psach Libi is a fairly high key. It works better.
Let me talk about bed bugs for a few minutes. And I want to. I want to get. I need to talk about bed bugs for five minutes. Even though I want to get to Vayetze, but you'll look. Bed bugs are in mind. I need to tell you something like this. Why did bed bugs break out? You a holy place. I want to explain why they're bed bugs. I need you to understand this. Till two years ago. My mindset was, a bachar comes to yeshiva, we thought about the bachar. A guy told two years ago, right, Kestenbaum's the one who started changing my life, and the last two years I changed, and was only changing better, and bed bugs drove it into my, into my elbows, it's in my knees now, and I want you to hear about bed bugs, please listen. Till two years ago, a bachar came to yeshiva, his family, I hear, I hear, yes, I knew we had a world, each bachar has a journey, but this bachar is who we connect to. It's hard to say what I thought then, because it was for many years, we were busy with the bachar. It only dawned on me more recently, right, Kestenam started changing my life, that the bachar goes home and as a family, and a yeshiva can impact the parents and his siblings. And you're working with Shutfim. That's his tata, his mama. That's where he goes back. That's where he gets his... That's where a person gets a lot from. And if a yeshiva reaches parents and touches parents as much as we can, we can't impact the bachers here. That's who we're close to. But if we can reach out to parents, we have a much bigger impact. If the home could become more inspired, warmer, more, ins- more, just more elevated, more positive, if the messages of the yeshiva can reach the home, then you're not. Then there's a certain. Then a bacha is so much more powerful and so much more. The parents, t- mom is on fire with ruchnius. Tata's on fire with positivity. How many jaded fathers who long ago gave up? Yeah, I also went through school. How many fathers wistfully have told us, I wish there was a Waterbury when I was a... You know how many? I heard it for 18 years and it never said Kalish. Give him Waterbury now. Have parents day, have a Father's Day, send out Shiurim. Let's learn. Let's learn together. You're also in Waterbury. When the bus pulls up today, I promise you the parents in my mind are on the bus. My visual is the parents get off. The parents are in yeshiva as much as you are. As much as you are, your parents are in yeshiva. As much as we can. As much as we can. As much as we can. The parents in yeshiva. And we started chapping much more the parent, the home yeshiva relationship. Bed bugs are fascinating, Hefer. Bed bugs don't come from dirty. That's not what it comes. It's unclear what a bed bug is, who brings, where it comes. It's not rampant. It's not 
But the realization, the whole place can be clean, but if one bacher has it on his pants, from home on his shirt, brings it back. Hey, we got to have co-op home to yeshiva, yeshiva to home. Naira, guy has to go home and ask the cleanest stuff at home. And by the way, it's very shaykh. A bacher brought it from home. Just as from people are saying, oh my goodness, I don't want my kids bringing it from here. I don't know if here is infested or home, and it doesn't really matter where the bug was. If it's home or here, we're in trouble. So we got to make sure all the homes are safe and here safe. Eureka, we got to make sure the home has no bugs either. <laughs> yeshiva could be as clean as you want, but if there's a bug at home, then just home to yeshiva, yeshiva to home. It doesn't matter who has the bug, my friends. It doesn't matter. It's funny, you could have a parent, what's going on? Then like, there's a world of truth, the bug might be there. <laughs> we don't know, where. it don't matter where the bug is, my friends. It doesn't matter if it's here and your mom's afraid you'll bring it home or if it's there and we're afraid it will come here. Guess what? Both got to be clean. Does that ring familiar? Both got to be holy. Both got to be pure. Both got to be elevated. It doesn't matter where the problem is. Is it from home? How many guys blame their yeshivas? Is it the yeshivas? Is it my upbringing? Is it my upbringing? Is it my yeshiva? It doesn't matter. Both got to be pure, my friends. That's what bed bugs teach us. Both got to be clean. Both got to be clean. Clean home and clean yeshiva. Both got to be clean. That's what I learned from bed bugs. When I think about the sugya of bed bugs, both got to be clean. Home has to be pure and yeshiva has to be pure. If yeshiva's pure and home's not pure, you'll bring bed bugs into yeshiva. If yeshiva's not pure and home is pure, you'll bring bed bugs back home. So what's the only answer? Home's got to be clean and yeshiva's got to be clean. Let's have an uplifted home life. Let's have an uplifted yeshiva life. That's the conclusion from bed bugs. It's the only conclusion I can draw. Both got to be pure and holy. Both got to be. It doesn't matter where the floor. It doesn't matter. You want to fight? Your parents will point to yeshiva. It's all there that's bad. Yeshivas will point to home. It's all bad. It's dad. It's rebbe. It's rebbe. It doesn't matter if it's rebbe or dad. We have home and we have yeshiva life. Both got to be pure. How precious are your tents, Yaakov? The oil Yaakov refers to family life. Mishkanaisecha Yisrael refers to yeshivas. Both got to be impressive. Both got to be clean. Let's clean both, my friends. Let's improve. Let's get both pure and holy. It's got to be, it doesn't matter who's sending the bug to whom. It really doesn't matter. Is yeshiva sending the bug home? Or is, I think yeshivas and families have fought about this long enough. Is yeshiva sending the bug? I'm like dizzy. My head is in a tizzy. Like who's causing? I don't know. We got to clean home and yeshiva. So that's my conclusion from bed bugs. That's the extent we will be talking about bed bugs together. Let's get to the next topic. <laughs> yeah, it deserves a I'm not sure if the chair was what I said or the chair was, we won't be talking about it more. But <laughs> both deserve a chair. Maybe ask Shabbos Gabies. I don't know what that is. <laughs> I needed to get that off my chest. Okay. Parashas Vayetzeh, Gabriel. It also brings up the three-week picture. It's to go back home. Oh, yeah. Nice
funny the naming. We're gonna have beautiful tire on Das, beautiful tire on on MS, and for sure the headline of this year is bed bugs. <laughs> mites. Please write mites. <laughs> Just smarter. If I get to the next thing, we're going to crush second Santa. I'm going to say in less than four minutes, we got to get to second Seder. In less than four minutes, I want to tell you something. Chazal say, Lovan's a liar. I could show you from the parasha. I'm skipping the verb from the parasha. I want to talk about liars. Listen to this Chazal. Shimon Chazal say the oinesh of a liar is even his truths are not believed. Avi, to come to Yeshiva, sit in the front for this. I need you to hear this. Listen, to, you, you're going to hear a Chazal. There's nothing like our Chazal in the world, Avi. Listen to Chazal. The oinesh, the punishment of a liar, is even his truths are not believed. Explain that to me. The punishment of a liar is even his truths are not believed. Why don't we believe his truths? Explain it. Because he lies. So therefore what? I think he's lying. Okay. The boy who cried wolf. If you lie enough, even when you mean to tell us the truth, we think you're lying. The boy who cried wolf. It's not what Chazal mean. They mean much deeper. I want to explain deeper to you, Avi. But I want you to hear something very deep. You hear the words, Maishjuni? The oinesh of a liar is even his truths are not believed. Avi's Webner brilliantly explained the boy you cried wolf. You cry wolf enough. So even when it's true, we're not going to believe you. You've told us that before. Chazal mean much deeper. Listen to deeper. Deeper yet, let me ask another question, Avi. There's a rule if somebody's fully honest, you can return an Aveda. Let's say somebody finds these glasses and they say, who's are they? So a guy looks at it and says, it's mine. If he's always honest, you can hand it to him. It's called Tfiyas Ayin. He looks at it. He says, oh, I recognize it's mine. Without any simon, you hand it to him. Why can't you return it to a liar? When he says, I recognize it. Because he could be lying. I disagree. Rashi and Gittin disagrees with Avi's. Avi's Webner's intelligent. Taisvis says like him. Because he might be lying. I have a question. Let's say he passes a lie detector test. Now, I don't know how good they are. Let's say they're good. I don't know. Let's say lie detector tests work 100% of the time. And the liar passes a lie detector test. Can I give it to him then? Why not? No, but let's say the lie detector test. What? Let's, the, the test shows, says Rashi and getting profound. He's not lying. A liar loses a sense of the truth. Not he's lying. When you lie enough, you don't know what's true anymore. Not you're lying. You're 100% telling the truth. You'll pass a lie detector test. I really think it's mine. You don't know the truth anymore. You don't, I have observed in my life, liars lose a sense of the truth. Not that, not he's lying. 
You don't return it to him because he doesn't know if it's his. Even when he's 100% telling the truth, he doesn't know because he lost the sense of the truth. The einesh of a liar is even his truths are not believed is not the broy who cried wolf. He means to tell the truth. Don't believe him. He doesn't know the truth. He'll pass a lie that he's not lying. You really feel that way. Sorry, we can't believe you anyway. Because you don't know the truth. My friends, it might be one of the scariest things I've ever heard in my life. Because even when we're dishonest, at least we know what's true. But what happens with enough time of being deceitful is I don't even know the truth anymore. That's very scary. A basic human need is nikarim divriyemis, is to know what's true. I have a shtickle in Vayetze where I saw this from. I told this to a friend who's like Yehud, an observer of life. And I told him this word in Vayetze, that liars lose the sense of truth. He said, come here, Daniel. He showed me his own personal notebook where he writes observations on life. And he made an observation in his notebook. He said, I observed that people who lie don't know what the truth is. It's frightening. Not that they lie to us, that they end up after lying, they don't know the truth anymore. It's frightening. And I want to say that all of us want to work on honesty, and the most precious commodity we have is nikarim divrei emes, is an inner sense that we recognize truth. Don't toy with that. And the danger of lying is when you're not even sure what's true anymore. If you know anything about addicts, if you've read up, people think addiction, I would send the guy to rehab, nothing to do if he does marijuana, drinking or workaholic or pornography. Any habit, a guy can do none of the above. The main need of an addict is an inner liar. He doesn't, he's not honest with himself. Self-deceit. And you see people lie to themselves incredibly, make things up. Tremendous inner deceit of what they want, of where they want to head. An addict could want something and say, no, he literally could have a desire. He keeps giving in, he hurts his marriage, and teach him, so I don't want my wife anyway. You only don't want your wife, you liar. You want your wife, you, you want to be married. But you tricked yourself, I don't want my wife, because you couldn't stop the, the inner lies are the main sight of an addict. The inner lies is addictive thinking. And the worst thing that can happen to us is inner deceit, is I don't know what's true anymore. That's frightening. The importance of honesty and truth and to speak the truth and then to perceive the truth and the terrible einish of saying falsehood where at a certain point we can lose sight of what is the truth inside. That's frightening. So I wanted to share that with the Chevra. Let's get to second. Say the Ashkara by saying.